Hello, I'm Mark Steiner. This hour, we're going to continue our look at what is going on between the Israelis and the Palestinians, but with a different bent this hour, we're going to take a look at the Christian perspective on the Holy Land, uh, both external and internal from the perspective of Palestinian Christians, both inside of Israel and the West Bank and among Christians at large in terms of uh, their view of uh, the situation and the Holy Land. But first, before we start that, and that discussion will take place with the Reverend Dr. Paul Shank, who is chair of the National Clergy Council and rector at the Bishop Cummins Reformed Episcopal Church in Catonsville, and uh, Mubarak Awad, who is president of Nonviolence International and uh, an international activist who was expelled from Israel in 1988. Uh, but before that, we're going to continue our voices from the Holy Land. This morning, we conducted two interviews with two Christian Palestinians. We're going to hear their point of view, Sammy Awad, who joined us uh, from Bethlehem. He is executive director of the Holy Land Trust. Uh, then I'll come back and introduce our next uh, interview, and that will be with uh, John Kotaub, who is a human rights activist and a lawyer who has taken on both the Israeli government uh, and the Palestinian National Authority in his work. Uh, they are both Palestinian Christians, both men who follow uh, the path of nonviolence that's deeply rooted in their Christian belief. And so uh, before we get to our discussion with uh, uh, Dr. Shank and Mubarak Awad, uh, we'll first hear our conversation we had this morning with Sammy Awad, and we'll be right back after that interview. I wonder, just for our listeners, if you might first just describe um, the Holy Land Trust that you're the executive director of, and to give uh, folks here a sense of what that is. Well, uh, Holy Land Trust is an indigenous Palestinian Christian organization. It was established a couple of years years ago, and the aim of our work is to create programs that uh, strengthen and encourage the community, that develop them, uh, create awareness within the community, uh, create economic opportunities, and also uh, create uh, awareness at the international level towards what is happening within the Palestinian Christian community, specifically the, the Palestinian community in general and the the Arab community of the Middle East. Is community all of the Palestinian people? When you talk about community, you're talking at, specifically at this moment about Christian Palestinians. Through the Christian community, we serve the, the entire community. Our programs uh, are not specifically aimed for the Christian community alone. We do serve the Christian community, uh, try to bring international awareness to that community, but at the same time, our programs are aimed for uh, all the Palestinian community. Could you give, give us your, your honest assessment, just for a moment, of uh, the emotional and mental state of the Christian-Palestinian community, both in regards to um, the larger Israeli government, where there, I know there are, there are what is it, 125,000 Christian-Palestinians who live in Israel proper, mm-hmm. 50,000 or so Christian-Palestinians who live in the West Bank. Mm-hmm. And, and just I want to get your sense of, of, uh, of where, where your community is right now in the midst of all this. Well, the, the Palestinian Christian community... Uh, at this time and throughout its history, has felt a very part of the Palestinian struggle and aspirations for independence. There has never been a differentiation from the Israeli occupation or any of the Israeli government towards the the Palestinian Christian community, either uh, uh, making their life any better or treating them any differently. Due to an Israeli soldier, there is no uh, Christian or Muslim. There is only Palestinian. And uh, that has united all of us in our struggle for independence. Uh, many Christians have been uh, killed as the martyrs by uh, Israeli bullets and Israeli shelling. 
uh, Christians in Bethlehem as well, uh, where I live, have had that faith. Uh, when there's a curfew imposed or when there's a closure imposed on every single one of us, uh, Christian and Muslim alike, uh, we don't have any freedoms uh, to do anything uh, different, including especially at this time as we celebrated Easter, the Christians were not able to go to their churches to celebrate as well. So uh, Christians feel they are one as Palestinians with the Muslim community of this planet. What about within the Palestinian community itself, the differences? I mean, there are some people here who report that that within the Palestinian community there are kind of growing differences, whether it's a historical difference with the Christian population being, in some senses, more educated, many of the Islamic members of the Palestinian population, and also the, the fear among some Christians of um, the rise of a jihadist or Islamic movement gaining power among Palestinians because of the anger and fear among Palestinians. I can honestly say that uh, there is not that friction that, uh, that many people want to assume and many people want to expect uh, to take place. Uh, there are many churches in the West that uh, argue uh, for uh, us Palestinian Christians without even consulting us that talk about uh, a rise of, uh, of a friction between Muslims and uh, Christians uh, within Palestine and uh, the growing uh, tension between these groups. What, what is clear is that even the, like, the, the aggression of the Israeli military and government just, just uh, enforces and uh, enhances the unity between uh, both groups. For example, this last uh, year and a half uh, since the current uprising has begun and the, the uh, very violent uh, retaliation of the uh, Israeli military uh, to this uprising, nobody talks about being Muslim or being Christian. Uh, nobody talks about the difference between a Bethlehemite who lives in a city and a, and a person who lives in a refugee camp or or uh, the economic well-being of one uh, versus the other. Everybody is suffering uh, at this part of time. Why do you think that there is a, a larger emigration among Christian Palestinians than Muslim pa uh, Palestinians um, out, of, uh, um, out of Palestine and out of Israel itself? Well, uh, due to the two studies that we have also seen is that when it comes to numbers, the numbers are actually very close to each other when it comes to Muslims and Christians, Palestinians who are leaving this country. The difference is because the Palestinian Christian percentage is so small that their number is more shown uh, in regards to uh, comparison. So, for example, the Palestinian Christian community is less than 2%. So for every Muslim that leaves or for every Christian that leaves, you need 100 uh, or uh, 89 Muslims to leave in order to, to create that percentage gap. But when it comes to numbers, just uh, plain numbers, it is very similar, uh, the numbers of Muslims and Christians that are leaving. Now, there are Christians who have also better well-established uh, economic and family ties with the, the Western world, like Europe and the United States, while Muslims... Once they, once they move, they go to Arab countries, uh, like many of them go to Jordan, mm -hmm. uh, for example. Uh, so, so to the West, it's also seen that, well, okay, these are more people coming, so they're coming to us. But they don't realize that there's 
as many Muslims, if not more, that are also leaving because of the economic uh, situation and the economic hardships that are caused by the Israeli occupation. Why is it that a non-violent resistance movement among Palestinians, almost a Gandhian kind of movement among Palestinians, has is, has taken is you're having such a problem having it take hold. I mean, is it part of the difference philosophically and just the worldview between people uh, who follow Islam and people who are Christians among the Palestinians? Why has it been so difficult for that movement to take hold? A movement like this needs to be very strongly and well-educated within the community. It is not something that you can uh, preach overnight and then have people the next day become actively involved in an unviolent uh, uh, resistance towards occupation. Uh, in, in my opinion, violence is always an easy choice to take. Personally, I do not think it's the right choice, but it's very easy for an individual to, to let's say, uh, carry a gun and shoot from a distance uh, towards his enemy, while it's difficult, uh, but impossible for a person to, to, to actually put himself and lay in front of a tank that is moving, knowing that within seconds it can roll over him and kill him, and he will stay there. Palestinians have had successes in the past, and we need to push on these successes to show them that for a better future, for a better way of resistance, you need to go back to these methods. And, and finally, Sammy Wad, I just want to get your sense as a Christian Palestinian uh, in probably one of the oldest populations of Christians on the planet your own kind of emotional, philosophical sense of, of, of what it means to be a Christian in the Holy Land and the connection that you all have in terms of the amount of time that you've lived on that land. Our feeling, our continuous feeling, is that we are uh, forgotten and isolated, not by the community which we serve and we work with and we live with, but by our Christian brothers and sisters across the globe. Uh, as uh, as a Christian, I always get this uh, question when I when I talk to to a church in the U.S. or uh, in Europe. The first thing they ask me, "Oh, you're Palestinian. When did you convert? That means when did you become a Christian?" Mm-hmm. And and they don't realize <laughs> that this is where Christianity started. Christians have been here, as you said, for close to two thousand years now. And what 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 I feel is a sense of for being forgotten by the international community. It's so easy for people in the West to have one enemy, which is called Muslims. And uh, we want to fight this enemy, and, and this is the new enemy of the international world order, and these Palestinians are the new enemies. But when they realize there are Christians who are Palestinians that have been living here for many years, that are also suffering the same like they're Muslim uh, brothers, that is when eyes begin to open to the reality of the situation. You heard our interview with Sammy Awad. You're now about to hear an interview uh, with Jonathan Kutab, who is a human rights activist and a lawyer based in Jerusalem. He's taken on both the Israeli government and the Palestinian National Authority in his quest for human rights. He's a Christian. They were both Christians. Both of these men are deeply uh, committed to a nonviolent path uh, that comes out of their Christianity. Just share with the listeners for a moment who you are and the work you do in in uh, Israel at the moment in the West Bank. Well, uh, I'm a Palestinian attorney. Uh, I'm in private practice. Uh, I'm a bit 
involved in some uh, uh, public life, of course. Uh, I'm a Palestinian Arab. I'm a Christian. I live in Jerusalem. Your efforts to to help one of the things in in creating a, kind of a nonviolent movement and awareness of nonviolence in um, the Holy Land. You have also, though, come into conflict with both the Palestinian National Authority and the Israeli government because of your views. That is correct. For me, uh, my political views are a direct outcome of uh, my religious beliefs and my commitments. It just so happens that they uh, coincide uh, very well. Uh, I, uh, I am a pacifist. I believe that Jesus' teaching uh, requires us to love our enemies and uh, denies us the possibility of uh, uh, killing uh, and causing injury to our enemies. Uh, yet most people are not pacifists. In fact, most Christians are not pacifists. But this is my understanding of the Christian faith. It just so happens that, uh, coincidentally, uh, during this period of our history, uh, the, the most advantageous course of action for Palestinians, uh, whether they are pacifists or not, is in fact the nonviolent struggle. We cannot compete with the Israelis in firepower. We cannot out-violence them. Uh, our cause is not based on our being more powerful than the Israelis, but on having justice on our side, morality on our side, human rights on our side, international law on our side. Therefore, it would be very foolish for us to try and resolve things at the point of a gun, uh, when that is precisely the field where we are uh, so totally outnumbered and outmaneuvered and outgunned. Uh, so uh, I, I, I uh, say my uh, views to everyone, to Christians, to Muslims, to pacifists, and to non-pacifists, that for the Palestinians at this particular juncture in their history, non-violence is by far the most advantageous, the most uh, uh, reasonable uh, course of action to take. Let me ask you just a question about your growing up and and your family and the, the life of being a Christian in that region that uh, a place where it is the birth of Christianity, yes. where some Christian families may have actually lived in that land for 2,000 years as Christians. Correct. So Correct. I want to just give, if you give our listeners a sense of your sense of the soul of the land and the soul of the Christian people in Palestine and who they are. Well, uh, you, you know, uh, the Bible speaks on the day of Pentecost about the different uh, languages that were spoken by the disciples, and one of them is Arabic. Uh, so uh, uh, Christianity has been in the Middle East, has been in Palestine, in the land of Christ, from the time of Christ. Unfortunately, uh, it has fallen on very hard times, uh, particularly by people who uh, use Christianity, uh, uh, you know, uh, to sort of create empire rather than to create uh, servanthood. Uh, and, and therefore, Christianity was given a bad name uh, by the Crusaders, for example, who came to kill and destroy uh, and, and claimed to be doing it uh, in the name of Christ. The, the truth is that Palestinians have been uh, more than fairly represented in the Palestinian community, in large part because uh, we, we are very active in, in civic affairs. 
but also because the, the, the real active movement uh, among Palestinians has been the nationalist movement. And the nationalist movement, by its very nature, uh, uh, reduces or downplays religious affiliation and emphasizes the unity of, of everybody struggling uh, for a common cause, uh, that the land, uh, the, the nation, the homeland uh, belongs to everyone, uh, not to Christians, not to Muslims, uh, and, and that uh, really we struggle for a society that uh, respects everyone equally, regardless of their religious beliefs. But what, it, within that struggle to do that, and within the struggle within the Palestinian community, um, what about um, the, 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 the lines that some people are saying being drawn because of um, the kind of fundamentalist Islamic nature of part of the Palestinian resistance movement and what fears or questions that brings up into the Christian-Palestinian community? Well, that is true. That is a concern. Although, uh, to be fair, it is as much, if not more, of a concern uh, to uh, Muslims who are secular as it is uh, to, to uh, us Christians. Uh, because the, the struggle is not for the dominance of Islam. Uh, the struggle is for a uh, society uh, that serves all its people, regardless of religion. Uh, the conflict is between really secular nationalism and religious fundamentalism. And, and we have seen uh, fundamentalists of all shapes and forms in this part of the world. Uh, we have seen Muslim fundamentalists, but we've also seen Jewish fundamentalists, and we've seen Christian fundamentalists. And frankly, uh, I'm not enamored with any of them. Could you say that there is a unity among the Christian population of Palestinians as Christians? Well, I, I will say this much. There is a greater unity among them uh, than, than, than meets the eye. For a long time, we have been a very uh, disunited community. We have been uh, divided along sectarian lines. You'd be surprised, but um, most Christians are more interested in knowing whether I'm Greek Orthodox or uh, Anglican or uh, uh, Roman Catholic than they are whether I am Christian or Muslim. Mm -hmm. So we have uh, had a lot of uh, internal sectarianism. Uh, but, but during these times, I, I, I sense a lot of unity and a lot of uh, pulling together a, a great feeling that uh, we need to stand together that in this time of very difficult uh, uh, conflict, that the real solution is not to emphasize our uh, uh, separateness, but rather to emphasize that which uh, brings us together. And finally, I'd just like to get your sense of uh, of why you think it's been so hard for a nonviolent resistance movement to take hold among the Palestinian people. Well, th th there's a number of reasons, I think. Uh, as I look at it, uh, one of the biggest reasons is that we lack uh, the language of nonviolence, the rhetoric of nonviolence. Somehow the Palestinian people, while, while being... Uh, really very poor and even miserable practitioners uh, of, of, of armed struggle have perfected the language of armed struggle. Everywhere you go, everybody talks about the glories of armed struggle, even though very few people really uh, practice it, uh, so that the language of the gun 
has become part of the folklore of Palestinian uh, national life, uh, but the language of nonviolence is, is, is missing. Even, even the word nonviolence in Arabic, Allah'unf, is a very heavy word with, uh, with, with way too much in, uh, emphasis on the negativity, hmm. on the non-violence uh, rather than on the uh, creative, positive uh, aspects of nonviolence, uh, so that we haven't had uh, a leadership uh, that uh, speaks uh, of nonviolence uh, positively, although the reality is Palestinians have practiced uh, nonviolence in in their daily struggle and in their national struggle against uh, the Palestinian occupation. There have been just numerous incidents of of the practice of nonviolence, but, but almost none of the language and the rhetoric of nonviolence. And that was the interview we conducted this morning with Jonathan Katal. But now we enter our live conversation and look uh, at Christianity in the Holy Land and the Christian view of what is going on at this moment, both externally and internally. In the studio with me is the Reverend Dr. Paul Schenk, Chair of the National Clergy Council and Rector at the Bishop Cummins Reformed Episcopal Church in Catonsville, uh, who called into the show one day to talk about his experiences and work uh, with Christians and Palestinians uh, in Israel and the West Bank, and now joins us as a guest. And on the phone with us is Mubarak Awad, who is president of Nonviolence International. Uh, he himself was uh, expelled from Israel in 1988 and was the leader of a nonviolent movement at that point in his life. And gentlemen, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you both with us. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation, Mark. Mubarak Awad, yes, you heard the interviews as well? Yes. Good, good. I, I want to get them coming at an overarching question here about uh, the connection between nonviolence, nonviolent, nonviolent movement, Christianity, and the Palestinian movement. And, and Mubarak Awad, whether that is, though some people don't want to say there is a divide, if that is part of a divide between um, Muslims and, and Christians or secular people and some Muslims and Christians, um, because nonviolence in terms of Islam is such a, is almost antithetical to its history. I think when I started the center in Jerusalem called the Palestinian Center for the Study of Nonviolence, and uh, the majority of people who came have, are Muslims, uh, not Christians. Mm-hmm. And most of the students have been Muslims. And uh, we have a lot of teachers who quit their job and join the center who completely are Muslims. They have nothing to do with Christians. Uh, I don't accept the premises that uh, Christians uh, are better nonviolent individuals than Muslims. I saw a lot of Muslims and work with a lot of Muslims who are so much an inner nonviolence and Sufis and uh, better, much better than Christian in the regard to nonviolence. So really, nonviolence has nothing to do with that much of a religion per se, that because we are Christian or because we are Muslims. It's how uh, a community or a social organization got together and trained and to be nonviolent or not nonviolent. It's been very difficult for that to take root and to take hold in the struggle among, for the, among the Palestinian people, the notion of nonviolence. Yeah, I would say Palestinian rather than Christian or Muslim. And I'm saying that because within the Palestinian revolution, Arafat have his Fatah group, and we have both Hawatma and Habash, who are both Christians, 
are more uh, uh, violent, both of them, than the Fatah group. So it's not Christian-Muslim thing. Uh, Mark, if I may... It's interesting that you, the way you phrased your question was that nonviolence is antithetical to Muslim history. Something we would think, right. Uh, and you could also rephrase the question and say that uh, violence is antithetical to Christian teaching or doctrine. If you explore the Gospels uh, and read them for what they say rather than what has been said about them, and the pure teachings of Jesus, for instance, from the Sermon on the Mount, and for that matter, even of St. Paul, who said, our weapons are not physical, but they're spiritual weapons. Uh, The fact is, Christians must accept a message of transforming uh, conflict from a nonviolent point of view, because this is, in fact, the essence of the gospel, that uh, the kingdom of God comes spiritually first to our hearts and our minds, and then after that to society. So the Christian impulse ought to be, I'm not saying Christians haven't behaved badly in history, they have behaved very badly. Uh, In the Middle East, they have behaved badly in different types of Christians. But at its essence, the gospel is a gospel of peace. And so in that respect, I think Christian people are prepared spiritually, historically, theologically to be peacemakers, even though that message hasn't uh, maybe gotten out or or come to them even. Uh, The fact is that Christianity presents a third way in the conflict. Christians, Palestinian Christians, who I guess some people could argue have occupied the land, the Holy Land, uh, for almost 2,000 years, um, as Christians inside of, of Palestine. Um, the 150,000 Palestinian Christians who live now in Israel proper and the 50,000 or so Palestinians who are Christians who live in the West Bank for the most part. Uh, I wonder, Mubarak Awad, I mean, let me start with you and we'll go to Paul Shank. Your sense of that history and is there a different, perhaps more unique, because the perspective as a, as a small minority um, within that territory that Christian Palestinians bring to this? Yeah, I, I think that uh, the idea of being a Christian, depending on how much you uh, yourself engage into Christianity and how much believe, or you are Christian just because going and, uh, on Sunday or on Easter or on Christmas. And... Uh, People who are Christian and committed Christian, automatically they'll come to the conclusion of being a nonviolent person. So that's, uh, as a Christian, this is a very strong indication of their Christianity. And that has nothing to do with being a Palestinian, being a Christian. A committed Christian don't believe in war even. To that extent, I'm a pacifist and I don't believe in war. I don't believe in killing. As a Christian, from that basis, I take it as a Christian. However, uh, Christians in the Palestinian concept of Christians, really, uh, many Christians, they prefer to be Muslims than continue being Christian because they hate Christians. We, as, as Palestinians, Christianity has been our enemy rather than, than our friends. And the Christians have been the bad 
uh, influence in that area. They are the colonizers. They are the crusaders. They are the ones who destroy and kill. Uh, Christians are bad for Palestinians and for the history of Palestine. They are the ones who helped to create the Holocaust, and we are paying for it. So if I am not very much faithful in my belief as a Christian, it will be easier for me to become a Muslim. And uh, many of my families and friends became Muslim because they are tired of the Christian Zionists and the Christians who completely go overboard uh, helping Israel and believing that they are not the chosen people, only Jews are the chosen people. It's a very difficult situation for Christians in Palestine. It's uh, also that Christians are not interested really in uh, trying to figure out that am I Christian first or I am a Palestinian first or I am an Arab first. I think the belief, the strong belief of Christianity is, is dying there. Hello, I'm Mark Steiner. This hour, we're looking at the perspective of the Christian community inside of Israel and the West Bank uh, with our two guests. Joining us by phone is Mubarak Awad, who is president of Nonviolence International. In the studio with me is the Reverend Dr. Paul Schenk, chair of the National Clergy Council and rector at the Bishop Cummins Reformed Episcopal Church in Catonsville. The last time I was in Bethlehem, I was there as part of a delegation that uh, was joining with uh, the uh, with Pope John Paul in his papal pilgrimage. And uh, after the uh, mass in Manger Square, uh, I went with another American clergyman and uh, one from Cote d'Ivoire uh, to a restaurant. And we were accosted uh, by uh, four tables of Palestinian Christians. They represented four different branches of Christianity, Orthodox, Catholic, there were Evangelicals and Pentecostal Christians. and. They were very, very agitated and told us that their plight was very severe, uh, that uh, they were being, they said, pushed out of their homes, out of their jobs. They wept. Their voices were very loud. Um, they were very agitated. Uh, they said they were caught between uh, the conflict uh, between Israelis where they were treated uh, poorly uh, and uh, the threat of the uh, Muslim uh, domination of the Palestinian territory and their fears that uh, the Islamic uh, uh, extremists would get the upper hand and uh, they feared for their own safety, for uh, their lives and for their livelihoods uh, within the Palestinian Authority. And uh, I think what we're hearing uh, now today from the various voices that we've heard from the Holy Land are uh, the two messages that come. One. Uh, which is the public message, and that is the Palestinian nationalist message which Christians join in. Uh, but the private uh, experience of many, many Palestinian Christians uh, has been one of uh, mistreatment, not only at the hands of Israelis at checkpoints and in uh, their movement in and out of Israel, but and as a result of the, uh, of the uh, uh, occupation, but most especially... Uh, from the uh, mistreatment of their own fellow Palestinian Arabs who are Muslim. And uh, this is something that is often, or in most cases, will not be said on the record or publicly uh, for fear, 
fear of retaliation, fear of further eroding the relationship between Christians and Muslims in the Palestinian Authority. But what has been said to me over and over again by many different people uh, has been that they acknowledge that uh, Israel has been a much better experience for Christians than the Palestinian Authority has been. And uh, this is a, a message that can't be widely publicly distributed for fear of retaliation or fear of, uh, of further um, uh, problems within the Christian Muslim community. I want to go to the phone see if we can come back from a couple of callers. Though I do want to hear what Mubarak Awad thinks of what you also just yeah, said. Yeah, I, I don't agree with Paul. I, I think that uh, any minority group, when they reach minority, they are afraid of the majority. They are afraid of their job, and they start crying, uh, it's foul. But they are minority. We as Christians, we are minority over there. However, I don't agree that we are, that Israeli treat us better than the Palestinian Authority. That, that's, uh, that's sad for Paul to say that because it's not true. For Arafat himself, he tried all his best to include Christians in the leadership and uh, listen to Christians. And, and uh, he really put Christians in a very, very good positions in different places around the world. And I'm one of those that I could call Arafat any time and and there's no Christian Muslims in that. But those who are really afraid of becoming a minority, this is a psychological thing any place in the world. And uh, Christians are divided there because we are very few and we have so many denominations of Christians. And a lot of people want to convert, and instead of converting Jews to become Christian or Muslims become Christian, they come and convert Christians to become Christians. And that's, to me, very silly of having so many small churches. And people are, sometimes they sell their souls to convert Christians to Christians. And I don't like that. Well, I, mean, I know Paul, you want to say something. Let me do this. In fairness to our listeners, let them come in and have some thoughts, and then we'll, we'll, we'll come back to both of you. Jerry and Pikesville, you're on the air. Uh, listening to this discussion, uh, it makes me more than ever persuaded that there is no end to what is happening in uh, the Holy Land, but I'd be interested in hearing Mr. Skank's, uh, Reverend Skank's uh, perspective on the, uh, uh, this is not the Reformed uh, Christian community, but the fundamentalist Christian community who seem to be more uh, 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 pro-Israel uh, than the Israelis, uh, I know it's the fulfillment of ancient prophecy if the Jews are successful, but I've been very discouraged by comments on this from Christians in this country. Uh, the, the nature of the struggle, the morality of it. Okay. I, 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 let me just say... Jerry, I, we don't have much time, so I can't let you go on and on. Well, I'm, I, I don't think I go on and on, uh, uh, Mark. Uh, I just want to make this point. I see two aged scorpions in a bottle, follow, uh, having their people follow them. And the corrosive effects on this of the soul of Christians, Muslims, and Jews seems to require comment. And yet I don't hear it. I'd like to hear Reverend Skank talk about it. Thanks so much, Jerry. 
Well, you are right in pointing out that Christians who take the Bible very seriously and believe what it says uh, view the prophecies regarding the land of Israel and the return of the Jewish people to the land uh, as a serious prophecy which appears to be fulfilled uh, in the uh, modern state of Israel. Uh, to go back to Mr. What the, uh, Mr. Wad said uh, a moment ago, um, I agree that many Christians, uh, perhaps a majority of Palestinian Christians, feel uh, passionately about the establishment of an independent Palestinian state, which we agree, uh, I think, he and I together, is a foregone conclusion and will come. The question is, what kind of state will it be? And I think we have to look into history as well as contemporary Arab countries to see how they treat Christians and the experience of, um, you might call them the elite or intellectuals. Uh, an analogy which I've made is with the Jewish intellectuals who joined in European revolutions and in the Russian revolution, who had a great deal uh, of participation in the early years, but later uh, those same revolutions turned against them. My concern for the plight of Christians in the Palestinian lands would be that their experience would not be the same as the Christians, let's say, in Syria uh, or in Iraq or in Saudi Arabia, uh, which has been responsible for uh, imprisoning, uh, beating, deporting, even killing uh, Christians who were evangelizing. Uh, the very reason why many Christians approach other Christians is because it is expressly illegal and punishable for a Christian to approach a Muslim with the gospel. And uh, that is certainly a condition which is restrictive and oppressive to the practice of the Christian faith because proclamation and evangelism are so much a part of the gospel. Mubarakawad, do you want to have a thought on that before we hit the phones again? Yeah, yes. Uh, I, I really have, have difficulty in that. Uh, the, I, I think that there are many, many Christians become Muslim, many Muslims become Christians. It's... Uh, it's not a gaining of numbers towards God. Uh, I, I think that uh, the difficulty here is, do we talk about believers or we talk about Christians by name? I'm a Christian not because I believe in Christianity. My father and mother, and they were Christians. And if my mother and father were not Christian, I wouldn't be Christian. And it's a choice of being Christian or not a Christian. The other concept is that we have a Zionist Christians that it, that they are so much into supporting of uh, Israel and the Jewish people that we tell them, hey fellows, why you become Christian, convert, become Jews, and you could you could enjoy all the Jewish uh, religious. So don't be Christian and be hypocrites to tell the whole world that Jewish religion is better than Christianity. And those are the very, very conservative Christians. We love them to become Jews, and then they could fight for Jews rather than becoming Christians and just supporting the Jewish cause for nothing but politics. Mona in Baltimore, you're on the air. Uh, hi. Hi, Mona. I would like to... Um, I have a comment regarding the nonviolent uh, Palestinian movement. Uh, it is extremely hard for somebody who was bred violent to be nonviolent. Palestinians have been uh, imprisoned, uh, stopped at checkpoints, their home demolished for a reason or no reason. They were imprisoned, deported, 
with no trial, and it's extremely hard for them to understand that anything like this could be dealt with in a nonviolent way. The other thing is that I wanted to elaborate that from 1948 until uh, the first Intifada in 1987, uh, Palestinians had approached the occupation in a nonviolent way. There was absolutely no violence. So, and afterwards, it's actually the generation was, that was uh, uh, the generation that was brought up under occupation ended up carrying all the violence movements okay. in the Palestinian liberation. So, I think the occupation is the origin of all the violent movements in the Palestinian liberation, right, regardless if it's Muslim or uh, Christians. Obviously, Muslims were nonviolent in between 1948 and 1987. Well, I think we got your message only because we have so many people trying to break in okay. to, to speak to us. I appreciate your call, though. Let me get another listener in here, then we'll go back to our guest. Valerie, in your car, you're on the air. Hello, I have a historical question. Um, are the Christians who live in Palestine and Israel today the descendants of those who invaded during the Crusades, or are they descendants of the indigenous people who uh, converted to Christianity during the first few centuries after Christ? Interesting question. Let me turn first to Reverend Schenk, and then if Mubarak Abad wants to jump in, he may. All of the above. Uh, they are descendants not only of European crusaders, but they are all, and, and indigenous peoples who uh, could uh, possibly trace their roots back to the time of the apostles. Uh, but they are also descendants of um, Hellenic people, Greek people who uh, were uh, traders and merchants and settled in Palestine, Turks. Uh, uh, who came in. Uh, you know, one thing I did just want to jump in very quickly here and say that the patron saint of Great Britain, Canada, uh, Portugal, and other places is St. George, who was a Palestinian. Uh, he was born in Cappadocia. He made his home in Palestine. And uh, he is the patron saint of, of uh, English peoples and particularly of the, of the English church. Uh, so really, the answer to the question is all of the above. And that's what makes the tapestry of the Christian community in the Middle East so fascinating because you also have Ethiopians and Egyptians and many, many more. Let me, uh, uh, let, let me get in. Like my family, uh, as a Christian family, I mean, we, we originally have been Jews during the time of Christ, and then we were converted by the disciples of Christ himself afterwards. And then... We continue becoming, we continue our Christians, so that's why we are Christians at now. So we have been living there for those times under all, all kinds of uh, circumstances. Well, and that's uh, fascinating because there is archaeological evidence that even the family of Mary and Joseph remained in Nazareth for almost four centuries. Um, as farmers. Uh, so uh, these are real families, uh, families we read about in the Bible and are still with us today. So back to the phones with an interesting uh, piece of our conversation here. Victor in Baltimore, you're on the air. I'm going to ask you to get right to the point. We don't have much okay. time. Yeah, very quickly. Uh, Mark, I just want to say for the speaker who's a born-again Christian, because I am one, but um, I think he's not getting the human element in the whole thing. Imagine a completely born-again state. In that state, would he permit for non-born-again Christians to freely proselytize? That's my question, and I'll hang up. Okay. If you're referring to me... Everybody here, I think, was born a Christian in this conversation, both Reverend Shank and Mubarak Awad. Uh, I would say that uh, the gospel uh, is free in giving it away and strong enough 
to stand up to any claim of any religious uh, message in the world. Uh, I'm all for the free proclamation of religious messages. And you both think, and we only have like 30 seconds left, so we have 15 seconds for this from each one of you, Mubarak Awad, uh, there is a future for Christian people in, in, in Israel or in the new Palestinian state. Yeah, I think, I think there is a future there. Uh, I think the tension so many times uh, creates more problems than what uh, we are not normal there. It doesn't matter if we are Muslims or Christians. It's not normality. And I think that when you are more relaxed and more interested in seeing everything is normal for life is becoming a better thing for everybody, I think Christians and Muslims and Jews could live much better, and they will prosper in their religion as well as in their livelihood. Mubarak Awad and the Reverend Dr. Paul Schenk, I really appreciate both of you taking your time today and uh, waiting for these other interviews to be done and joining us for this conversation. It was very illuminating. Thank you both so much. Appreciate you taking the time. The Mark Steiner Show is a production of the Center for Emerging Media. Our producer is Imani Spence. Our associate producer is Calvin Perry. Our editing producer is Ali Post. Our engineer is Andrea Melton. Theme music is by Wal Matthews of Clean Cuts. Send me your thoughts about today's program to talk at steinershow.org. If you podcast the Mark Steiner Show and share it with your friends, please visit us on the web at steinershow.org or listen to us via your favorite podcasting app. And for your source for cool jazz and more, WEAA 88.9 FM, The Voice of the Community, I'm Mark Steiner. Take care. <laughs>